You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. I've been assigned to carry on the series we've been going through. And if you recall, we've been going through a core value series of CCF, L-O-V-E, right? We're going to now kick off the E. And the way that we'd like to kick off this E is with a mindset, which you already saw here. My heart beats for the most fundamental unit of society, where I feel if we want to help change things in the world, we can really do it. Where would that be? The family. So the idea we're going to look at this afternoon is when it comes to the family, we need to protect this house. Can you look at the person beside you right now and say, protect this house? The most fundamental unit of society is under attack. And we will share how, what that looks like. This is the core values we're going through. L is love God, love others. What is O? Obey God's word and appointed authorities. What is V? Very good. Vault in. So volunteer, treasure, talent time. And two Sundays ago, we heard vault in. Last Sunday, we heard Pastor Ricky share how important it is to have perspectives like, you know what? All it takes for evil to carry on is for a few good people to stand by and do nothing. So we pray that you've been applying, you've been doers of the word. The series we're going to now carry on, and I'll say this again, it's a series. This message is just a kickoff for a series where we will now look at E. To love our core values, we need to engage the family. Very close to my heart, a very strong passion of ours, because as I mentioned, this is the fundamental unit where we can help see change happen. But it is under attack. And let me share with you where we see this attack. From the very beginning, remember in Genesis chapter 2? Let me set the stage up for this. Genesis chapter 2. Man is presented with a woman. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. I think the reason he called her woman is because when he looked at the woman, he said, whoa, man. Sorry, I'm cheesy. So if you see a woman beside you, look at them and say, whoa, man. That's for my wife. Woman. Because she was taken out of man, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, joins his wife, they shall become one flesh, and the man and his woman and his, and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. God now builds the first family. Husband, wife. I asked myself, why did the serpent not show up when only Adam was around? My proposal to us this afternoon is that the devil's game plan is very simple. Destroy the family, destroy the world. That's why this is very close to my heart. We need to protect this house. Let's take a look at the verse. So right after God now institutes the first family, Adam and Eve are together, this is when the devil pops up. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say... And I want you to catch that. Ken Ham calls this the Genesis 3 attack. How the world is basically being attacked by the devil with one main thing. 
he will ask you to question God. Did God really say that he will take care of you? You're going through some difficulty right now. Really? Did God really say that? Or you're going through something. You're struggling with the temptation. You know you're not supposed to do it. And you know what God said. And the devil's saying, did God really say that? But you really love this person. Maybe he can make it work out. They'll break up. You'll be together. Even if they're married. Did God really say that? That's the devil's grand game plan, the Genesis 3 attack. And he starts with the first family. Did God really say you must? Look at what he says. You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. What was the instruction? The instruction to Adam was you can't eat from any except this tree, right? The devil is now twisting it. That's what he does. Is that what he said? He said, you cannot eat from any of the trees in the garden. Eve responds, of course, of course, we may eat from the fruit tree, from the trees in the garden, she said. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And then what happens? Only the one that's not in the, in the middle. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then what does the serpent say? You will? No. Did he really say that? You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. What happened to the woman? The woman was convinced. The Genesis 3 attack, the devil's grand game plan. From day one, first family, destroy the family, destroy the world. And from this point onwards, I want to show you what it looks like today. How has the devil expanded that game plan to oppress families today? And I'm going to warn you, we're going to get a little dark, maybe a lot dark, to see, really, is that what's happening to families today, even in the Philippines? Let's take a look. Globally, it's interesting to note that half the world is now connected to the internet. This is probably the biggest revolution in our world today, right? The digital revolution, how things, they say we live in a screen generation. Everywhere you go, there's a screen. What's behind me right now? How many screens? What's in front of me right now? How many screens? You go outside, you'll see a screen. You go down, you're probably looking at your screen. If not one, you have two. And then when you're on your car, if you don't have a screen in the car, you probably have a portable screen. Maybe your kids have an iPad. Are you with me so far? This is the world we live in. About half of the world is now using the internet. So 3.7 billion uh, people in the world are using the internet. Social media, close to that number. Cell phones, a little over half. And then people on social media on their cell phones. Why am I sharing this? Here's something interesting. As we look at what's happening to families today, okay, yes, we know there's internet, social media. But in the Philippines, the number of Filipinos on the internet, the average is half. In the Philippines, we're about 58%, close to the global average, which means maybe one out of two Pinoys has access to the internet. How many of you here do not have access to the internet? Raise your hands. This majority has access to the internet. What is the point? Why am I showing this? Here's an interesting fact that's facing Filipino families. Did you know that even if only half of Filipinos have access to the internet, 
that we are the number one internet users in the whole world? Did you know that? The Philippines, the number one internet users in the whole world. We spend about five hours um, on the internet. We spend it uh, through the laptops and desktops about three to four hours using our mobile phones. Despite the fact that half of the Filipinos have access to the internet, we are the number one internet users in the world. We're also the number one social media users in the whole world. Four hours typically on social media. Some of you are already using social media to document this right now. Hashtag Twitter, yes, you're right, that's me. <laughs> what does this mean? Why are we looking at this big picture of the Filipinos? Well, let me tell you. I did a backyard survey and asked Pinoy's, what are the issues facing us today? How is the devil expanding his agenda to the Filipino families? Would you like to see? Here's what the data showed. It showed us that the number one issue facing Filipinos' families today is the breakdown in communication. No surprise. Let's watch this video. meeting bukas. Mr. Perez? Mm -hmm. Pa? Ma? Yes? So I'm not endorsing this company, just to make the record straight. But I wanted to prove a point. There is a breakdown in communication. How many couples here, when they get home, they're like, hi, honey, sending a Viber to your spouse. Communication breakdown. Here's what one of the respondents said in their own words. Non-communication within the family members all are hooked on social media. The tendency is they spend more time with gadgets. They're so near, but yet so far. Filipino families, this is one of the issues we're facing. Number one, based on this backyard survey. Number two, values erosion. What is values erosion? Also, because of social media and the internet, Children are confused. Uh, what's the right thing? Um, there was an interview done with a mom where back in my generation, when the parents were asked, parang yung anak mo is acting gay. That would be a big deal. What? Why? This mom was asked, you know what? It's like your child's acting gay. The mom said, okay lang, because gay people are very successful now. I mean, look at TV hosts. We have gay hosts. We have people who are doing successful things. So they can do well. The values erosion, the culture's influence is now affecting the way we perceive family. Financial stress. This is pretty self-explanatory. Here's one of the statements of the respondents. My observation is most families don't know how to save and have the instant gratification mentality or the I deserve this. Most have work, but they buy flat screens, tablets, the latest mobile phones, they go out of town, etc. So when someone gets sick, they need to borrow money, constantly depending on family members and relatives. There's a skew in the priorities and the way people are handling money, and it's causing the third issue stress. It doesn't help that on social media, nobody really shows the ugliness. They only show the good stuff. There's a lot of the 
humble brag. Oh, look, so blessed. Bagong koche, bagong house. And then you're looking, you're saying, I deserve that also. Are you with me? This is what's happened to the Filipino family. Number four is work-life balance. No more quality time spent with the family because parents are out for work for survival. And this especially is something that permeates those families where you have OFWs, about 10 million, 11 million Filipinos all over the world, which spills over to this last item, role confusion. What's role confusion? According to one of the respondents, adherence to their respective roles in many occasions, they have changed roles. Dad or mom is overseas working, and so the change in roles happens. Or maybe they're both not present. You have Lola and Lola or Tito and Tita, and all sorts of craziness can happen. You know, my wife, because of what happened to her in her teen years, she was a victim of rape. She now counsels lots of people who have gone through abuse. And it breaks our heart to hear stories of what happens even in this area where families are broken apart because parents have to go overseas and there's role confusion. And even as the roles are confused, there is abuse that happens in the family by the relatives towards the children who are left behind. Once again, this is why we're talking about this today. There is a problem in Filipino families today. And we need to what? Protect this house. Let me give you darker statistics, which really disturbed me. Did you know that in the Philippines today, we are the top 10 LGBT population in the world? Did you know that we have the top 10 most prostitutes in the world? Did you know that we have the top 10 highest or we're in the top 10 in terms of growth rate of HIV or AIDS in the world. Did you know that the top teen pregnancies in the ASEAN region are amongst the Filipinos based on this data? Did you know that the top depression in Southeast Asia is amongst Pinoy's? Did you know? And my source for this next item is the uh, youth pastor of CCF, Pastor Marty. So I did not see this myself. I only got it from him. He used it in his message. The top porn surfers in the world are Filipinos. And even amongst women, this is what's happening to the Filipinos here and around the world. Do you see where the passion is coming from? Do you see what's happening as the devil from day one has started his attack on the family, eroding it? He has now spawned it, and now it's in our shores. And we're supposed to be the only Christian nation in Asia, the most conservative. And sure, we're financially prospering. Sure, GDP rates are good, records, lots of maybe even affluenza happening in the Philippines. But part of what scares me is what happens with that. The OFWs who contribute 10% of our GDP, not with their families anymore. The BPO sector, which is taking people out of their natural rhythms, is also doing something. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be an OFW. I'm not saying it's wrong to be in the BPO sector. But I'm wondering if the devil is using even that prosperity to destroy the families today. Are you with me? The devil's game plan from day one is destroy the family, destroy the world. And it's hit our homes, our shores, the Filipino families. 
Maybe some of you, if I ask you to raise your hands, you are part of families that are disintegrating. And so I want to give you good news. After hearing all this darkness, let me give you good news. Mga kababayan, there is hope. Can you look at the person beside you and say, there is hope? How can we find this hope? What are we supposed to do? There is hope because what we are going to do, which is why we're here today, in applying this message, is we're going to say, you know what? It starts with me. I will protect this house. I will ensure that my family, to the best of my ability, however the configuration, I may even be a solo parent, which is a controversial statement because of what's happening in the political arena right now. But guess what? Solo parents, God loves you. Whatever the format of your family right now, God loves your family. He wants you to protect your family. He wants to restore your family. He wants you to be able to use it for a special purpose, to fight the darkness around us today. Let's take a look at exactly how we can do that. Are you guys ready? So how do we now protect our house? Well, the Bible tells us against the devil, we're to stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. How does this apply? In our homes, when there are issues amongst family members, let me give you a practical application. When my wife and I, we have conflict, you know, we're very passionate people. We're very different. So we will have conflict. And when we do, and I know it's getting irrational already, I will look at my wife. I'll say, honey, you are not the enemy. I am not the enemy. Who's the enemy? The devil. He wants to divide us. He wants to create unnecessary conflict to destroy this. Because if he does, he wins. With children, I remind myself when they don't do things that I like or there's something going on, I'll remind myself, they are not the enemy. I am not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. Look at your family member right now. If you're with them, say, you are not the enemy. Some of you are saying, but I think they are. You don't know what happened to us on the way here. But seriously, I'm just a messenger. The devil is the enemy. That's his game plan. So we need to stay alert. Watch out. We also need to remind ourselves that we can resist the devil and he will flee from you. So as we protect this house, I'm going to share with you what's within our control. What can we do to protect this house? And then what do we leave to God? Are, are we okay? Protect this house, resist the devil. He's the only enemy in this whole grand equation. So what do we do? What's within our control? Well, first, we need to follow God's design. Can you say follow God's design? God's design is for the family to be a showcase. Those are big words. Showcase. Can you say showcase? For example, in marriage, Paul is speaking. Can you read this verse with me? For the husband is the head of the wife. Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. I'm not going to expound on this because we've heard this verse in many different ways, even in the marriage counseling sessions we go through. But what I find interesting about this showcase is this. It talks to the husband and it talks to the wife and it gives the role What's the role of the husband? Head. What's the role of the wife? Helpmate. To be subject, be submissive to the husband. Head and helpmate. Now here's the showcase. 
Why? What kind of head should the husband be? Is he the head like hashtag bossing? You do whatever I tell you to. Don't ask questions. Just do it. Or is it something else? What about the idea of helpmate? Is it, oh, I'm so helpless. I'll do whatever. They show that Paul is trying to remind us that the marriage is a showcase of two groups or two things, Christ and the church. Showcase. So here's a question for the husbands. If you are a husband right now, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Husbands, if you want to be a husband, raise your hand later, later. <laughs> husbands, we are to reflect how Christ deals with His church. Do our children see that? Do our office mates see that? Do the people around us see that? Because what? If we are to protect this house, we must be a showcase. We must show what Christ or how He deals with His church. Are you with me? How does He deal with His church? Does He lord it over them? Does He boss them around? Or does He serve? Does He care for? Does He love them? Are you with me so far? For the wife, she is now to model the way the church is in submission to Christ. Wives, raise your hand if you're a wife. Raise your hand, please. Higher. If you want to be a wife, it's okay. Even some of the single ladies, not yet. Later, later. Wives, you are to be a showcase. Do our children see that, you know what? Mom is supportive. Mom is respectful towards dad. If they see that, what will they say? Okay, me as part of the church, I should be respectful towards Christ. I should be submissive towards Him. I should obey Him. I should honor Him. Not the other way around. We need to be a showcase. Are you with me? Where else? Following God's design, I love this. How many of you are fathers? Raise your hand, mga tatay. Raise your hand. Happy Father's Day in advance. And higher, please, fathers. Fathers, my heart beats for you. Fathers, I believe if we are followers of Jesus and fathers, the single greatest compliment we can have is if someone, our children especially, will say, when I experience your love, Dad, I fully understand what it means when God says He loves me as a father. That is the greatest compliment, that we are a showcase to our children, to our family of what a father's love is. Now, I want you to see what the father's love looks like as this Story captures an earthly father trying to show what the heavenly father's love looks like. This is the prodigal son. You remember that story? And let's just go back to it. The prodigal son goes to his dad and says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And in straight talk, that means mamatay ka na, right? Bastos, ask for the money. And the dad, because of his father's heart, says, okay, you want to do this with your life? Go ahead. And he does. The father knows where he's at. He knows he's going through a, a miserable time, pig pen experience. He has enough influence and money to catch that son and rescue him. But does he do that? No. Instead, watch his heart. There were no cell phones, CCTVs, drone cameras, none of that technology. He did not know when the son would return. But look at the heart of this father that reflects the heart of our father God. Prodigal son got up, came to his father, got to his senses, and went to his dad. But while he was a long way off, malayu palang, 
the father was already anticipating. That means that this dad, not knowing when the son would come home, was eagerly anticipating his son to come home. Some of you who are here right now, maybe you're running away from God. You're in sin. But you know you're a follower of Jesus. He's waiting for you to come back. This is the heart of our Father God. A long way off, his father saw him. And look, instead of thinking, bastos talaga tong anak ko, look at this kid. He disrespects me to my face, squanders his money. I could say, I told you so. I told you so. Why did you do that? You wasted all the money and now you're coming back to me. Feeling mo, hashtag. He didn't do that, right? Look at the heart of this father. He saw him a long way off. He felt compassion. This is my son. I know he's realized the consequence of his actions. I'm going to run towards him and I will embrace him and shower him with extravagant love that he does not deserve because that is the heart of our Father God for us. Are you with me? Fathers, are we a showcase? Do we show this kind of love that reflects our Father God's love for us? This is how we protect this house. Follow God's design. Showcase. How else? I found it so amazing when I came across this verse and I learned through the many different parenting courses of CCF in my own mentoring that God's great game plan for passing on His word and His work is not through the church. Do you know how it's done? Let's take a look. Psalm 78, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the what? The praises of the Lord. Ken Ham, in that same book I was reading about the Genesis attack, he said, this Bible is our family album. This Bible is our family's history. Adam and Eve, our descendants, and then what happened? And then the praises of the Lord, His strength and His wondrous works that are here. Really, you did that to my ancestors? And maybe some of you are followers of Jesus. You're several generations down. You have wondrous works that God has done through your parents, through their parents, through that generation. Here's a question for you. If you're a follower of Jesus right now and your parents, have you stepped out in great faith to see what God can do through you so that you have wondrous works you can share to your children as well? Do we have this? Or are we sitting comfortably, not vaulting in, not serving, not finding opportunities. And this is my big passion with families, that we will end up passing on a religion. Well, you know, my kids, they go to church on Sunday because I go to church on Sunday. That's what a Christian does. I speak Christianese. All the right words like, I'll pray for you, have faith, be strong, but the relationship is not solid. We do not anchor into God's truths and strengthen that by digging into His words, by looking for people who we can share the gospel to. If we just pass on a religion, we are not doing God's design. We need to be able to tell them, hey, kids, you know, once upon a time, this was dad. I was a wreck. I was a mess. But I gave my life to Jesus, and He did something in me I do not deserve. So I would like for you to experience the same thing. 
Experience the wondrous works that God can do through you. Are you with me? That's God's design. God's design is not only for the family to be a showcase, but to be a vehicle to pass on God's ways, God's words, and His wondrous works. Let's read it. For He established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. Children, their children, those to be born. In other words, the generations to come might tell. Alam mo yung lolo ko, ganito nangyari sa kanya And this is what God did in his life. And so I want that same God as well. My prayer, our prayer should be that our children develop a faith, a relationship with Jesus and not a religion. Are you with me? That's how we protect this house. This is what we are to do. We take it upon ourselves and not delegate it to the church, to the schools, to the neighborhood, to whoever else. But we say, no, no, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will follow the Lord. And I will impress this on my children so that they too will get it. And it will not just be a religion. Are you with me? So that's what this is, that they should put their confidence. I want that same God, Lolo, Lola, Mommy, Daddy. That's what this is. Let's move on. How else can we protect this house? First, we looked at following God's design, looking at the showcase, making sure that we reflect Christ. And second, well, that our family is a vehicle. So dads, again, my heart beats for you. When was the last time you shared God's words to your children? Kids, Look at the wondrous works. Look at our family album. Look at what God has to say about, about who He is, what He can do in your life. Showcase. Make sure it's a vehicle. The other area is down to be the right model. Can you say be the right model? We want to be imitators of Christ. Paul is saying be imitator of me just as I am of Christ. So to expound on this, I've invited two people from our family to share. First, my wife, Joy, and then our son, Elijah. Can you please join me in welcoming my wife, Joy? You know, when Edric and I became parents, we realized this all the more, that our children are really watching us all the time. And if we're not a model of what it really means to follow God, we can't expect them to do the same. Um, one of the first things I wanted to talk about is modeling the right character, which is Christ-likeness. This is something that Edric and I have struggled with, and I praise God we had parents who did role model this for us, and as, as my father also really discipled Edric, he taught him how to be more even-tempered, uh, more patient, because Edric, if you can see, he's a very passionate person, and so when we first got married, this is one of our, is of our issues. We would have conflict over his um, excitability and reactiveness, but by God's grace, he has changed a lot, and I remember, you know, very recently, um, we, we, we went to a hotel, and the driver accidentally ran over our son's foot, Elijah's foot. Now, it actually pinned his foot down and praised God that the shoe was thick enough that it protected the foot. But when Elijah saw his foot, he was like, ah, my foot. And Edric is such a protective person of our kids. And all of us were watching to see what Edric would do, what Edric would say. And our fear was maybe he would react towards the, to, towards the driver, get mad at him, scold him on the spot. But there was a miraculous silence. And... So we were riding in the car, it was, it was quiet, and afterwards, um, when things had calmed down, 
Edric said to our driver, you know what, I, I was upset at what you did, and it was wrong. You have to learn to be more careful. But I, I didn't want to react because you know I'm a follower of Jesus, and I want to be a good testimony to you. And, you know, our kids were watching all of that, and also our driver, because we're not just a model to our own children, even to the people who live in our home or those who work for us. They're watching our testimony. And so something like controlling your anger, controlling your temper, it matters a lot. And this, the second thing I wanted to share was modeling the right mission, you know, really having a heart for the gospel and for the lost. Um, growing up, I saw this in my parents. I want to share with you one story just to emphasize this. Because, you know, my, my parents would often talk about sharing the gospel with the, with the people they would encounter, whether it's, whether it's be on the plane or uh, maybe when they went to the store to buy something. In this particular instance, uh, my mom told me about what she did because she was in the mall and her bag was stolen from her. She saw the lady who took the bag. So she, she got up and she ran after this thief, this woman who took her bag. She was in her 60s at the time. She was also wearing high heels. My mom loves to wear high heels, even in her 60s. So she's running after this lady, and the guard apprehends the lady. So the guard catches the lady. So the guard says to my mom, do you want to file a report? Do you want to press charges? And my mom said, oh, no, no, I'll just get my bag back, but I just want to talk to her. So she pulls the lady aside, and do you know what she does? She shares the gospel with her. And she says to the lady, there must be a reason why you took my bag. You really must have a need. And when I, I want to tell you that Jesus loves you, God loves you, and this is what he has done for you. So she, she shares the gospel with her. And by God's grace, that lady came to know the Lord and gave her life to Jesus. And so stories like this, when I would hear it from my parents, when I'd see it in their lives, it made such an impact on me so that when I became a parent, I realized I too have to really role model to my kids a passion for the gospel. So very recently when I was sharing the gospel with one of our house help and our son was in the car and he heard it. He heard me pray with our house help and he started to tear. He was trying to hide it because he's a boy. He didn't want to show it. So afterwards I asked him, I said, why, why did you cry? And he said, you know, mom, as I was hearing you pray with our house help, I remember that passage in the Bible which says there's much rejoicing in heaven when a sinner repents. And of course, I felt like crying with him, but I realized our children are looking to see if the gospel is something important to us, if there's a sense of urgency in the way we deal with people. My kids, have sometimes they have to remind me, Mom, you need to always bring a track so that when you're with people, you can share the gospel with them. So we need to keep that fire, that desire alive also in them. We don't want them to grow callous to the gospel because if it's not urgent for us, if it's not important for us, we can't expect it to be important for them. And then also modeling the right values. This is different from just being Christ-like. It's also in the way that we spend money, um, the habits that we have, the way that we use our time. One time I asked our kids, and I was hoping they would answer something different. I was hoping they would say, oh yeah, we see that you love God. I asked them, what do you think mom is most passionate about? You know what they said? You're most passionate about your cell phone. Oh my goodness, I thought, my cell phone? I said, why? And then because you're always on your cell phone. And so I tried to be defensive. I said, wait, wait, you know that I use my cell phone for reading the Bible, right? Because my Bible's on the phone. And you know that I use it for ministering to people, right? Because I, I reach out to people using my cell phone. And mommy blogs, so I, I have to use my phone for writing. But it was what they saw. It was, in their minds, I'm on a gadget a lot. So how can I tell them, manage your time on gadgets, if in their minds... 
I'm always on my gadget, so I had to change. And so the right values, we have to model these as well. It's also with things like being healthy, exercising. How can we expect our kids to make healthy choices about sleeping, about eating, about habits, about yeah, food or exercise if we're constantly eating chicharron or we're not sleeping early also, we're not taking care of our own bodies. So modeling the right values is also important to our kids. It will make an impact in their lives. And then there's also the right perspective. Um, I think many of you, maybe most of you know that I was a victim of rape, and Edric mentioned it. You know what really helped me during that moment of my life is I had seen already in my parents how they modeled a spiritual perspective when it comes to difficult situations. They would often share when they would encounter difficult things or difficult people, you know, God causes all things to work together for good. We can do what's within our control, but everything else, we must leave it to God because God is ultimately sovereign. So when that happened to me, that's what also helped me. Because my parents had already prepared my heart by their example. The other thing we can model is the right kind of authenticity. You know, being humble and willing to say sorry when we make a mistake. I'll be very honest with you, our family is, is very imperfect. It's only by God's grace when we're able to do the right things. Um, some weeks ago, I really messed up in my parenting. I homeschool. And I didn't know I was an impatient person until I started homeschooling my children. But I have five kids. And so I was homeschooling one of my kids in math. It was my daughter. And as I homeschooled her in math, I was getting increasingly frustrated. Because for some reason, it was very easy to teach my son's math. But when it came to her, when it came to something like regrouping in terms of addition or subtraction, she just she couldn't get it. And I didn't understand why I would use manipulatives, I'd use kind, all kinds of creative things, even her toys, to show her, but she couldn't get it. So this one time, as I was t teaching her, I really felt the heat rising in my body. And usually I don't yell at my kids, by God's grace, but this one time I messed up. And as I was trying to explain to her, and I said, Tiana, I don't understand why you can't get it. And then finally, since she couldn't answer my question, I took her pencil, I threw it. I threw it first, okay? I threw it across the room. And then I was like, oh, oh, you know, sorry, sorry. Mommy shouldn't have done that. So I go pick it up. And then I, on my way back, I'm like, kids, we need to pray. We didn't pray today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray you'd help our homeschooling today. And in Jesus' name, if there are any evil spirits oppressing mommy, you know, um, I cast them out in Jesus' name. But see, the problem was it was still my heart. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a good example that day. You know what I did after that? So I went back to the lesson. She still couldn't get it. So I took that same pencil, and I, on, her, on her book, I circled the answer like 20 times really hard so that the pencil dug into the, to the book. Then I stood up, and I took that, that book, and I ripped it. I, I have never done this before. I did. I ripped it. I was like, ah! I ripped it. I ripped the page, and then I stormed off. I went to my bedroom. I looked at my bedroom door, and I took it, and I slammed it. I slammed it as hard as I could. And then I threw myself on the bed, and I just started crying. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm, I can't homeschool. I'm not qualified to teach my kids. I don't understand why Tiana can't get it. I give up. And I was crying and crying, and I felt so defeated. And I said, how am I going to face my children? I can't go out there. I'm just going to go running. That was my plan. But as I, as I was about to get ready to go running, God reminded me, hello, you have five students. You have five students in the homeschool classroom waiting for you. You just messed up with them. You can't just leave them there. Plus, they need you to teach them. Okay. So I go back in there. First, I went to get, get the tape dispenser to tape the page that I had ripped. Praise God I could salvage the page. 
And then I saw my kids, they were all quiet, they were all looking at me. And my youngest daughter, she was hugging my other daughter, whom I had lost my temper with, and she said to her, she said to me, Mommy, will you forgive Tiana? And I'm like, oh, it's not Tiana's fault, it was Mommy's fault, I was the wrong one. And in front of all my children, I really had to sincerely apologize to them and just ask for their forgiveness. There was no excuse for my behavior. My mom used to tell me, nobody can force you to get angry. Anger is a choice. So I had to come before my kids and really ask for their forgiveness and sincerely repent and say, kids, will you forgive me? Mommy was wrong. And you know, they were crying. Tiana had cried. She had gone to the room also and cried. And I realized I had really wounded my children. I said, Lord, how am I going to recover from this? And God reminded me, you know, you humble yourself and I will give you grace. And by God's grace, the weeks after, I really tried to be conscious, okay, I need to be Christ-filled when I homeschool because my kids are cop going to copy my example. I don't want to be talking about God, and then all of a sudden they see me do the opposite of what it means to follow God. So, you know, by God's grace, weeks later, one of my sons said, you know, Mom, you are the joy of our home. And I felt like crying because I knew I had messed up weeks before. But I think because, you know, God allowed me to humble myself and apologize to them, God redeemed the mistake, and he allowed other actions to cover up what I, what I had messed up on. And so that's my encouragement to you parents. We were at a retreat, and oh, by the way, I told my son, no, I'm not the joy of our home. It's really Christ in me. What you see in me, that's Jesus. But what I wanted to share with you was these, there's, there were three questions that we were taught to ask our kids at a recent family retreat. We were told to ask our kids, number one, how have I hurt you? Number two, how can I improve? And number three, will you forgive me for blah, 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 whatever it is that they share with us. And we were in this retreat, and one of the kids said, I can't ask my parents, I mean, I cannot have this conversation with my parents, because even if they will ask me how can I improve and I share it with them, they will not listen. They will, not, they will just say, no, it's your fault, it's not us, it's you. And so I just said, you know, let's pray because I believe God can change the heart of your parents. And when I asked them the next day, how was your conversation with your parents? How did it go? And they said, you know what? It's amazing. We shared with our parents and they really listened. And so it brought healing to their family. So I wanted to share this because I believe none of us are perfect, right? I'm sure we've met messed up. But one of the ways that we can heal the hurts in the hearts of our kids and still role model what it means to be Christ-like to them is to also ask for their forgiveness and to let them know that we are committed and, and willing to change and improve. And so now I'd like to call up my son Elijah. He's 14 now. He's actually taller than me. I'm just wearing heels. But he's going to share about modeling um, the right priorities and also the right roles. Around a year ago, before my 13th birthday, my dad took me to climb Mount Apo as a sort of rite of passage ritual into manhood. He modeled how to be a man. At one point during our climb up Mount Apo, dad was so exhausted that he told me, I'll probably climb down the mountain and call a helicopter to pick me up if I can't make it. <laughs> However, he kept pushing and he made it to the summit. He even shared the gospel with a few people at the top. During my time with him on the mountain, he showed me how to live with very little and be content with it. Although it was difficult, we had a lot of fun. Dad pushing himself made me want to push myself too. 
As a side note to all those grandparents out there, it's also important for you to model to your grandchildren. My Lola, who is my dad's dad, took us on our first climb together. He also sent us the gear for the climb. He was very involved. Another way my dad teaches me to be a man is through speaking engagements he brings me on, showing me what he does and exposing me to all kinds of people. I learn how a man should conduct himself, how one can communicate effectively, and how to have God confidence. In his talks, he tries to insert the gospel as much as possible, no matter what he is speaking about. This assures me that I, too, can be confident to put verses in my sharing and not be afraid to share God's word. Significantly, one of the most recent things that has, been, that Dad has taught me is the value of priorities. Through the years, Dad has showed me how to give up good things to make way for great things. Back in September of 2015, I'm, by the way, I'm sorry to you people who have already heard this, but I just want to share my angle on the story. Back, on, back in September 2015, my dad got an offer to be an anchor for Mornings at ANC, which is a morning news show. He told me that he was so excited about the opportunity because it was a major show which paid good money. We also thought that it would be great as a platform for God, so my dad took the job after praying about it and getting advice from others. However, his schedule was really crazy. You see, he had to wake up at 3.30 a.m. to be at the studio by 4.30 a.m. To wake up at this time, he had to sleep by around 7.30 p.m. But this was just a show on top of his other work, so he was hardly ever at home. To be honest, after a few months of this, I felt like my dad wasn't spending enough time with me anymore, and I am a time person. So I hardly got to talk with my dad, and I didn't see him a lot because of his difficult schedule. I tried to forget about it, but I couldn't stop thinking about it because I really missed him. So one day, I told my mom how I felt. I feel, I feel like dad has been out too often. His show is taking him away from us. While I was talking, my eyes started to perspire because men don't cry, their eyes only perspire <laughs> from emotional stress. Because of this, mom told dad about it privately. The same night, dad spoke to my brother and me. He started the conversation by asking us, how can I improve? Eden and I told him that he was way too busy and that we missed him. Since I was getting emotional, my eyes were perspiring a bit. I stood up for a bit, and as I walked away to compose myself, I said to my dad, there are more important things in life than money, dad. I will pray for you. <laughs> my dad then gathered us together and called us together around him as a family, saying that he had something to share. He then told us that he had resigned from the show. I told him, I know it was hard for him because I saw sadness in his eyes. After all, he was turning down such a good opportunity and he would lose income. When I saw this, I felt like I wanted to take back what I said. But instead, I ended up saying, thank you for choosing to be with us, Dad. Then I hugged him tightly. My dad started to make lots of time for us and we got to spend a lot more time together. So when we, he didn't win an award, he was nominated for called the Outstanding Man Award. And he felt really discouraged. I told him, you know, Dad, you don't need that reward because you are the most outstanding man to me.
Praise God. Praise God for my dad. Inspired by his example, I try my best to prioritize too. One way is by reading my Bible and praying first thing in the morning, which should be my greatest priority. After that, I try my best to get my responsibilities done, like practicing violin and completing homeschool work. One of the last things I am learning about modeling is that it is not just from my parents to us children, but also from us to our siblings. For instance, I have noticed that my siblings copy me when I read my Bible and practice instruments in the morning. Even Catalina, my three-year-old sister, who cannot read, will pick up her picture Bible and pretend to read with us. To be honest, I don't always model the right things. I don't always read my Bible like this, and I don't always prioritize my responsibilities. Sometimes, I lose my temper, I get impatient, and I fight with my siblings. When this happens, I realize that I need to ask for forgiveness and try to improve. That's something I see my parents do when they make mistakes, and it encourages me to do the same. Ultimately, their goal and my goal is to copy Christ. He is the perfect model. As my dad shared, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, copy me as I copy Christ. So please pray that I will copy Christ more and more through the years and that when I fail, I will be humble and willing to improve. Please pray the same for my parents, that they will be humble and ask for forgiveness when they mess up. I'm sure they would appreciate it. God bless you all. They grew up so fast. You know, and uh, when that happened, uh, just like Elijah, my eyes were perspiring a lot. I'm the chief perspirer. I'm such a crybaby. So this is what we're talking about right now. To protect this house, follow God's design, and be the right model. We hope you, in our simple way, ang babaw ng pamilya namin, no? yung pinag-aaway namin, ang babaw lang, maganyan. But we pray that we can continue to follow God faithfully. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. What is the main idea? We want to what? Protect this house. And it's a deep passion of mine. And I believe it should be a deep passion of all of ours because this is the way we fight the darkness. We fight the devil's grand game plan from day one. Are you with me? So I'm going to show you a quick clip, and I hope you'll indulge me. It's one of, I, I, I begin to like this ad because of what it stands for, especially with this message. Let's watch it really quick. This is combine training. Not an endorser of Under Armour, just to be very clear. But I like that ad. I have some friends up here, Sheila and Joel, who are probably like, I know that. I can do that easily. But I like this clip because it asks the same question. Who will protect this house? 
And their statement is, I will. It will take work, a lot of work, for us to be say, you know what, there is darkness around us. The devil's grand game plan is to destroy our families. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Maybe some of us have deep-seated issues, deep-seated hurts in our families. So we're going to have to do our part. We're going to have to fight, resist, stay alert, as we learned earlier. If we are indeed to be a showcase, if we are indeed to be able to pass on and be a vehicle of God's work and God's ways to our children, and if we are to be the right model. Are you with me so far? That's why I like this ad. So I'm going to ask you a question. As we look at this, who will protect this house? What is your response? With a little more passion, who will protect this house? Well, let me now set the stage for our closing statement. Unlike these athletes who will push themselves and will it, and as you can see, really go the distance, the reality is, and I'll be honest, even if we want to be a showcase, even if we do everything in our might to do that, we cannot. If we want to protect God's design for the family, His house, we need to go back to God. Because who will protect this house? Really, God will. So this final principle reminds us some of you are going through some crisis. I want to encourage you. The Bible says the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will protect you from the devil and his game plan. We do our part, and then we say, okay, God, I will be faithful to the best of my ability. I will protect this house, but at the end of the day, I can be assured that you will cover this whole thing. You will enable. You will protect you will redeem, you will restore, you will hear. And some of you are going through a darkness that is, is, is far away from the examples that you may have heard here. And your families really are going through some difficulty. So this final principle, if we are to protect this house, is we need to surrender to the Savior. There may be some people here who have not surrendered to the Savior. You know, I love Rick Warren's Easter Sunday message a few years ago, Resurrection Sunday message. It's one of my favorite worship messages. I just saw it online. He reminded the people listening and me that Jesus did not just come to save us once. Yes, he's paid the penalty for our sins once for all, but he continues to save us up to this day. It's in God's nature to be our Savior. Some of us here need to surrender to the Savior. You're going through something. You're seeing the darkness of what's happening around us, and you're feeling hopeless. I want to encourage you with who God is. He is our Savior. That's in His nature. Look at the person beside you and say, God is our Savior. He will rescue. He will restore. He will redeem whatever that is that you might be going through in your families right now. And I say that with confidence because even if it might not seem that way right now, my wife and what happened to her. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, in Christ. Here on earth, you will have trials and temptations and oppressions because the devil wants to destroy, but take heart because what does he say? I have overcome the world. Some of us need to surrender to the Savior. 
Some of us need to say, Lord, I've been, or you know what, I've been trying to fight, live my life, find peace in all these so many different ways for my family, for myself, and I just can't find it. Some of you are so broken, and God's word to you is this. You can have peace in me. You will have trials, tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Surrender to the Savior. We know families who are serial philanderers. The fathers are serial philanderers, broken, and yet they surrendered to the Savior. They came to know Jesus, and now he's a pastor, CCF Makati, Pastor Albert Rodriguez. We know of a guy who was so violent, he was literally at the point of killing his wife. He pointed a gun at her. He was in drugs and all these things, and he surrendered to the Savior. He gave his life to him, and now he's heading up a whole movement in the East, Pastor Danny Orquico. Can God restore families? Can God break through the darkness in this world today? I firmly believe so. But we need to surrender to the Savior. This is the key to unlocking what God has planned for our families. This is how we protect our house. Lord, I will do my part. I'll surrender to you. You protect this house. Are you with me? Let's close. We want to protect this house. Look at the person beside you one last time and say, protect this house. How do we do it? We want to follow God's design. Say it with me. Follow God's design. We want to be the right model. And then ultimately, we want to surrender to our awesome, awesome Savior. He alone is in the business of truly restoring and giving us the strength to take our families to go the distance. Amen. Let's close with a prayer. As we opened earlier, our prayer is that we would now be doers of the word, not just hearers. And for a special group of people who God has called today, you're very special because you have not surrendered to the Savior. You have not given your life to Jesus. You're searching for something. You're looking for something. Maybe you're looking to your family to provide needs that they can't provide you. You're looking for answers. I have great news. You can find that in the Savior. You can find peace. You can find purpose. You can find ultimate protection in the Savior. So we're going to make two prayers today. One for that special group of people and the rest for all of us, that we would be doers of the Word. Is that all right? Let's pray. Father God, salamat po sa pagkakataong ito. We thank you for this opportunity and the way we open up this privilege to go through your words, to do it in a place like this where we're comfortable, where we can hear it, where we can have wonderful music. We pray that as we open, that you would help every single person here who have heard your words to do it, to not just be hearers. Whatever that specific thing, provide everything necessary for us to be able to do your words, Lord God, to protect this house, to ensure our families can become a light and a showcase in this dark world, to restore the ugliness, to be the right model. And Lord, moving forward, that we will continue to surrender and trust you as our Savior to help move us forward. Allow us to indeed be found faithful in this area, doing our part and trusting you for all the other outcomes. Our second prayer is for a special group of people, Father God, who you have, you have actually intentionally brought here. They might think it's an accident, but you brought them here for a reason. They have not surrendered to your son and made him their Savior. And if that's you, kung kayo puyon, you're here, Right now, looking for answers, do not have peace. Maybe your own family is a mess, your own life. Well, now's the time 
to surrender to our Savior, that He can make it whole. So I want to invite you to make a prayer like this. Dear God, I am sorry for living my life on my own. I am sorry for the choices I have made that are sins in your eyes. Will you forgive me for all of these? And as I ask for your forgiveness now, Lord God, today I want to be different. I want to surrender my entire life to you. I want to make Jesus the Savior of my soul who has paid the price for all of my sins. And as I do this right now, making Him my Savior and my Lord, I can now stand on my two feet with confidence knowing that you will give me peace. Allow me to do whatever it takes to remedy maybe the wrongs that I have caused, Lord God, even in the families. Provide me your Holy Spirit that will allow me to do these things, that I can be the right model, that our family can be a showcase, that my life could be a showcase of what you can do in my life. This is my prayer, Lord God. Salamat po, Panginoong Diyos for being this Savior and now the Lord of my life. And we pray that everyone, as we go, Lord God, again, that we would be doers of your word. We would protect your house, be a light in this dark age and see change. See this nation truly become a Christian nation that shines all, out the, all throughout the world, that it would impact other nations and that you would get glory to all of these things. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Protect this house. God bless. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.